0: Hello, this is Justin Coleman, senior pastor at University UMC, and this is our podcast. I hope these messages engage your mind, touch your heart, and inspire you to serve God and your neighbor. Check us out online at universityumc.church. Thanks for tuning in. So we're beginning a sermon interlude, if you will, a two-part series called Conversations in Scripture. The idea being that we want to tackle a story that speaks in bold thematic strokes, but also has deep theological resonance and a way in which you might be able to share what you've learned in church, a novel idea, with those that you come across. I can imagine it seems like a tall order to ever be locked in one of those cafe situations. You know what I'm talking about. You've ordered a cup of coffee and someone turns to you and asks politely, hey, don't you go to that church on Franklin Street? And what already floods your mind? Dear God, I hope they're talking to someone else and not me. The the barista did seem awfully reverent this morning. Maybe they're talking to them. right? There's a pain, a swell that comes up when we feel called upon to share our faith, to talk about our church practice. Perhaps some of us feel that pain more. Perhaps some of us feel it a little less. I've been known to in a long airplane flight, not immediately disclose what I do for a living, lest that turn into a confessional session with someone next to me who's quite convinced they'll never see me again, but also convinced I should hear all of their life's problems, right? I'm always happy to assist. But what is it about that angst that we feel? Well, I think it's because we're wrestling with a calling. This idea that we have this calling on our lives, that we're supposed to be people that not only follow after Christ, but that we might encourage other people to do so as well. And that's where the rub comes in. I think for many of us, we're okay with our personal faith. But if we felt like we were called by God to go out and to speak good news to people, I think we would have a list of subsequent questions. And just so you don't think that I'm pointing the finger at all of you and not myself, let me take you back to a simpler time in my life when I thought I would just be a lovely industrial engineer. I, you know, It may surprise you, but I'm more of a math science guy at heart. Uh, I respected English and papers. Uh, I didn't know why anyone would want seven to 10 pages of my own thoughts on any book, yet I showed up and I provided. But I went to Texas a and University to be an industrial engineer. I wanted to study human resource efficiency. Got very excited about it. I'm in these early classes. But one evening, the most peculiar thing happened. Now, to preface this moment, you should know I'm a cradle Methodist. My family church, Holy Covenant United Methodist Church, is one of the only churches I've ever known. My mother still attends, which puts her membership as just shy of being a founding member of the congregation. So I have a deep, heart for the Methodist church. I love it. I I wish to always attend and worship, but when I went to school, there was not a thought in my mind that I was gonna be a pastor. In fact, my original call to ministry was I was at Disneyland in Anaheim, California. And I realized as we were leaving the park one night, they had one of the most efficient parking garages I had ever seen. And I said, who designs parking garages like this? which actually started me down this path of industrial engineering. That's also a true story. So there I am, living my proverbial dream at Texas A&M, studying the subject matter I want to study. When one night, working on this nutcracker project, not the musical, a SolidWorks 3D design module, I don't know if you know how nutcrackers are supposed to work, not the German carved ones, but just a simple steel rod and a little ball to crack the walnut. Well, apparently when your steel rod is supposed to go straight down and it goes at a 45 degree angle, uh, when you pull the lever back in your SolidWorks design, that's not good. Uh, and so I, being the calculus person and my sweet mate being the design person, we often helped each other on projects. I said, I'm taking a break. I'm giving up on this nutcracker assignment. I'm going to take a shower. I'll wait for him to come back. As I, after I was done taking a shower and getting dressed, I have what I can only describe as a John Wesley warming of the heart moment. I suddenly became convinced that I was not only supposed to leave industrial engineering, I was supposed to go to seminary and be a pastor in the United Methodist Church. So, thinking on it, one night I decided to call those close to me. I started with my mother, and I I called her that next morning and she answered said, Hey, Jameson, how's it going? And in retrospect, my first line could have been a little better. But I started with, Mom, I woke up this morning and I'm dropping out of industrial engineering. (laughs) I couldn't believe she wasn't excited for me. I didn't understand. I then quickly moved on to say, Oh, no, no, it's not that bad. I'm not only leaving industrial engineering, I'm thinking about transferring my major and then going to seminary to become a pastor could hear the holy silence of the moment over the phone. About all my mom could muster was, I'm going to have to call you back. (laughs) Now, you may think it's a little brave to tell that story about your mother while it's being recorded on YouTube, but I want to remind you of two things. I still control what gets uploaded, and two, I have my mother's permission to tell this because she's now one of my biggest fans. But in my family dynamic, My call to ministry was about as out of left field as you can imagine. Like I said, I was in school to be an engineer, and now I found myself going to seminary. And the reason I bring up this story is because it's very easy to thank the Lord that God has called someone else for such a time as this. I think that whenever a missionary is called to go somewhere there is a profound sense of purpose on that missionary's life and there's a great sense of relief from the rest of the congregation that god is sending them and not them if that makes sense Well, why is that because we kind of passively believe sometimes that calling is is a great holy thing you can't read scripture without seeing something about calling and purpose but that seems like a great thing for someone else I want to be kind of the person that supports the calling on someone else's life. And the reason I wanted to bring up my story first is it's very easy, I think, to look at a clergy person and say, but you have such a defined calling. You're called into ordained ministry. What I love to remind people is like, that doesn't mean that I'm set above. That means I'm set apart. Yes, my calling has some accountability and ordination lines attached to it, but it's very similar to what everyone else is called to do. Find a life of purpose in the work of God in your life. And so we have to ask ourselves, what is that excuse? What is that yeah, but in our own hearts and minds? When we feel like we're bumping up against God calling us to do something new, can you name it? Is it an overcrowded schedule? Is it, I don't have the gifts and graces, how could you possibly think I would be successful in this? I have to tell you, if, if I can take a Greek class where everyone in that class said, hey, you're an accountant, accountants love Greek, and then halfway through the class, I realized none of those people were accountants, so why should they speak about who would like Greek? We can all do this together, I promise you. Because it's not about being perfectly equipped initially, it's about trusting that the one that calls you is setting you up to be successful. It's not about judging your call against someone else, It's more about realizing that God desires for you to have a call on your own life that is special and sacred to you. And so the really big question we all have to ask as we jump into Jonah and we try to get an understanding of this narrative, is Is Jonah's character really that dissimilar from our own? Do we have a Nineveh in our minds, a place of calling, and we have instead sought the fastest means of transportation the other direction? In this scene, so much is happening. One of my favorite moments is when these trained seamen, these, these, these sailors, these individuals that are comfortable on the waves, as one of my professors pointed out, whenever you see a story in Scripture, and those that are used to being on the water are freaking out, that's a, that's a tempest. <laughs> that, that's a storm. These are not people that are prone to just a little bit of seasickness. These are folks that are hardcore, dedicated sailors, and the waves are so bad, they literally are circling around and saying, I don't know who everyone prays to, but everyone pull out whatever spiritual practice you have and lift it up to whatever your God is, and let's figure out what's happening. And they go into the bottom of this boat, and they find Jonah asleep. I, I, is he asleep, though? I mean, that's really a question. If I could have a little pastoral privilege uh, for a moment, it seems very unlikely that in the throes of this kind of ocean, you're taking a power nap. Uh, in the words of someone I admire, the Reverend Desmond Tutu, who once remarked, it's very hard to wake someone up who's pretending to be asleep. <laughs> and yet, this sailor goes down into the bottom of the boat and says, get up, come up, help us, pray. And they all cast lots. And it's really not Jonah's day because his lot is cast. They all look at him. And this is a, a proverbial moment of mob justice because people are frantic. They've called your number. Jonah's realizing that it's not quite the Frankenstein movie with the pitchforks and the torches coming out, but he's realizing the tides have turned, no pun intended, on him. And he still doesn't really offer anything up until finally, pushed to his limit, he's like, fine. I got this calling from my God to go to a place I don't want to go. I still don't want to go, but you guys could toss me in the ocean if you want to. I, I, I just want to hang on that for a second. I like to pretend that there would never be a moment I would be so stubborn that if it came down for me answering the literal call of God in my life or being cast into the raging waters that I would obviously answer the call. And yet I know I've had my Jonah moment as well. I wonder how many of you have. How many of you in that split second of panic, of anxiety, of emotion, have said, well, I know that God's call uh, seems reasonable, and this seems utterly ridiculous. But you know, how is that tempesty water doing? Let me at least go jump in. Maybe it's jacuzzi bath. You know, let me let me fling myself into the ocean. And then something amazing happens after they cast Jonah out. He—it's not quite clear about the total conversion of the ship, but people's lives are changed through his aggressive resistance to God's call. It's almost as if God is saying, Jonah, I'm calling you to serve my people. And Jonah's like, well, over my waterlogged body. And God said, well, that could be arranged. Because we see all the men in the ship after the sea is calm. They look around and they make solemn vows. They make a sacrifice. It seems the scriptures to suggest that they've committed themselves to this God they've only recently perhaps learned about. Not because of Jonah's prophetic witness, more like the absence of it, but because God is so working in the life of Jonah that even when Jonah resists, lives are still changed. So my real question for all of us is, wouldn't it be better to get along with the call that God's placed on our lives than to be thrown out of the boat in service of the call that God's placed in our lives? I don't know about you, but it seems like my life would have a lot more stability, wholeness, wellness, if instead of active resistance, I instead got to a place where I could say, Yes, Lord. And I have to tell you, going back to my own call story in seminary, where I went from breaking down financial documents and doing calculus, turning in pages that were half a page or they wouldn't be read, the first time that someone asked me for my feelings, I don't know if we're allowed to have feelings in the engineering and accounting world. I wasn't aware, but what, I was supposed to give an opinion, a feeling about how this theology spoke into my life. I thought, I thought I'd eaten a, something bad at breakfast, and this was the wrong place to be. And perhaps through seminary I was more drug than lead, but I look back now and I'm thankful that God kept working in me. So what I want to say to you is it's not too late for you. You can't fail the call-on-your-life test. It's not like God calls you once, and if you don't answer, God moves on to the next person. God continues to call each and every one of us. And we're reminded of this in a pretty powerful way, through baptism. Now, at this church, one practice we've started, which I love, although it makes me nervous when my own children participate, is that we put down a blanket right here. And I love the, when the kids are sitting down here on this water-colored blanket as, as another child is being baptized, they are the closest to the front to see what's going on in the lives of one of their peers. I think it's beautiful and wonderful when they climb up on to the communion rails. They almost seem like they're going to pour over and join the service. It's a little less cute when it's my own children, but when it's someone else's kids, it's great. Keep sending them forward, folks. But that enthusiasm to not only see what's going on in someone else's life, but to also then reflect on what's going on in their own life. Isn't that a beautiful image of how none of us are better than someone else because we figured it out more quickly, because we have more definition, because some went to seminary and some didn't? It's just a beautiful thing that we as a community look around and celebrate whatever God is calling us to do. I'm celebrating those that have bent over old family recipes for a great bake sale. I thought about bringing some banana bread to demonstrate, but I ate all of it before the service started. So the point is, it's great. I'm thankful for our confirmation mentors, for Pastor Charlie and all of his leadership team, for all those that have committed to speak with people about their faith as they explore it through our confirmation class. I'm thankful for all the ministries and outreach. We don't get her up during church and say, well, We only have time to celebrate one mission program this week, almost like American Idol, so this is the best program this church has to offer. And then we coronate them and everyone else feels miserable. No, what do we do? We have to pack in as much as we can in each service and promise we'll we'll pack in more in the next service. We have generosity moments that change every week. Why? Because there's so much to highlight with what University of is doing in the life of our community. It's not a competition. It's a celebration. A celebration of the diversity of God's work in our lives. A thankfulness that God knows us so intimately that we'll all be called to something that probably speaks to us in a specific way. And though I hold out hope someday that my path might turn back to parking garages and human resource efficiency, if I'm honest, I can't imagine having picked this call in my life but I can't imagine what my life would be like without it now. That that isn't the work of a loving God, who cares deeply and intimately for you and calls you by name. That I don't know what is. As we explore Jonah, may it be a book that speaks to us, to all of us. And the next time you find yourself in that coffee shop, and someone says, hey, aren't you the person that goes to that church on Franklin Street? you'll be excited to tell them the mission work, the conversations, the fellowship you've had, and how they can be a part of it too. Will you pray with me? God, we hear in the story of this reluctant prophet our own story. A story of life shifting. Of a call being placed that we didn't know we needed to answer, and yet here we are. So, Lord, if we have hesitation, speak words of empowerment. If we have pain or discomfort, speak words of peace. But in all things, may we connect with your pure joy, a joy that sees your people called for your purpose to go to places you've selected so they can be in connection and community, kindling love and grace, meeting real needs and sparking just a bit of that example that Christ showed for us. For that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can visit us at universityumc.church where you can find services, events, and other ways you can get involved. Remember that we love you. We hope you have a great week. We hope the peace of Christ is with you. And we hope to see you soon.